Yeah, I, uh, I wondered what to speak about this morning. But it's Easter Day. I mean, that is, that is great news. That is such great news. That we remember, I, I know we have Easter at all sorts of different times in the year. I know it's a bit weird, and I know it's to do with the after the, the equinox and after the full moon. And I don't get all that. But the point is this that the day that Jesus rose from the dead is real. And we're here because he rose. I want to read to you just a few verses from, well, it was a couple of places really, but first in Acts chapter 1. When it had all happened, when Jesus had been, he died, and he'd risen again, then Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels, who had a first-hand account of what Jesus did, wrote to his friend Theophilus. I wonder if he called him Theo. I wonder if he had bling around his neck, you know, I don't know, Theo. But... Um, but this, this is what he said in Acts chapter 1. He says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about what Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his sufferings, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period, get this, of 40 days. Sometimes people think that the resurrected Jesus that we believe in was some sort of ghosty thing that flew across and, ooh, got a glimpse of him. He was with them for 40 days, the people that knew him the best, for 40 days. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, if Jesus was a ghost or a spirit... You could give him a McDonald's and it wouldn't do anything. But he ate with his friends over a period of 40 days. He gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus not only came and died and rose again, but he left a legacy and said, I'm going to go to be with the Father, but you wait here because you're going to receive your inheritance. Today, we remember, arguably, I suppose, but I think it's the most important, greatest day in history. Everyone's born. Everyone dies. You could say, oh, well, the best day was when Jesus was born. Yeah, the best day was when he died because he died for our sins, yes. But do you know what? We all live and we all die. But the one thing that Jesus did that no one had done in that sense before, I mean, I know he raised people from the dead. I know that happened. But eternally raised from the dead, he did it. He defeated death. And that's why it's the greatest day because the saviour that we believe in is not dead. You can't visit his tomb. Well, you can. There's a tomb they think that's his. But it's, it, it, it's vacant. To let <laughs> one brief occupant. <laughs> so three nights only, or was it three, two, three, three nights only? Yeah, Be, you know, tomb, good as new, low mileage. 
but it's there. So we, and you see, for Jesus, there was more than life and death. There was resurrection. He rose from the dead. I always quote my mate. He's dead, by the way, but I like him. A.W. Tozer, who wrote many books, and this is what he said. I often say this, but it says this. The account of the life of Jesus is the only biography known to man that does not end with death and burial. <laughs> Once somebody's died, good life. That was their biography. That was their story. No, the only record of a human life that joyfully hastens to what he calls the next chapter after the last. You see, there is a next chapter after death as far as Jesus is concerned. The next chapter after the last. And do you know what? The, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is a historical event. It happened, but with present and eternal effects. So we're not here today just having a history lesson. We're not here today just having a religious kind of um, remnants of what Jesus did. Let me tell you that what we're talking about today is something that is alive, that is something that is real, that is something that is changing people's lives today and is significant to us in 2019. Jesus is alive. And you know, on the fact of the resurrection rests the truth of what we believe. Well, I read to you just a moment ago. He said, in my former book, I wrote all about what Jesus began to do. You see, and that's the gospel. And Jesus saw it. Uh, sorry, Luke saw Jesus and what he did firsthand. But after he suffered and presented himself, he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I'm pleased about that. In Luke, in chapter 24, when the ladies went to the tomb to put spices and things on, on the body of Jesus, it says this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living? among the dead. Do you know, in the world in which we live, when people find out that I'm a Christian, when they find out that I'm a pastor, when they find out that I'm a vicar, vicar, they call me a vicar, I'm not a vicar. Some of you folks have been to Anglican churches, forgive me, I'm not a vicar. I always think of a vicar as somebody who puts um, grease on somebody's chest to help them <laughs> breathe, breathe more easily. <laughs> You go to hospital, here's the anaesthetist, here's the surgeon, here's the vicar. <laughs> but when they hear that I'm a religious leader, they think, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, how boring. Oh, oh, you don't believe all that religious stuff, do you? Well, no, I don't believe religious stuff. I believe Jesus. <laughs> I believe in life. I believe in living life in Jesus. And, and, and the trouble is, you see, people, and, and it's, uh, some, I guess some churches are rightly placed in the middle of graveyards. <laughs> uh, 
can I just say that's not a denominational poke at anybody? Because there are Anglican churches, there are Baptist churches, there are Methodists, there are whatever churches you want that believe in Jesus who are alive, who are doing great things in the community. And I don't care what color or what kind of uh, tinge or what, what brand it is. If it's got Jesus at the center of it, let me tell you, the living Christ has power to make a difference. You see, people think... I'll pick on Amy. Why not? I know the answer to this, but what did you think when you thought about going to church? What did you think it was going to be like? Yeah. And? <laughs> she actually said to me once, she said, if I'd have gone to that church before I come to this one, I would never have come here, wouldn't it, or something like that, yeah. No, I, I don't care about, you know, I'm not judging that church, but what I'm saying is this, there needs to be life. And, and, and the women were looking for the living among the dead. And, and, and when people come and come across our lives and come across our church and come across who we are and what we do, I want them to find life because of who we know and who we serve, Jesus. Our faith and message of Jesus is about life. Do you know, a few weeks ago we had that baptism service, six people got baptized. Do you remember that? Do you know what? There was hardly a, a, a dry eye in this place. Am I right? I've never known a baptism service quite like that. And do you know why there was not hardly a dry eye in the place? It's because people were giving personal accounts of what the living Jesus had done for them and to them and through them and for them. And it was real. There was no death in that. There was life. Life. And I want to mention three things that the Easter account shows, okay? Three things. So when it's number three, you know I've nearly finished. That's good, isn't it? The first thing that Easter shows us is the purpose that Jesus had. He came here for a reason, folks. Last week, we heard about the journey. Bob spoke to us about when Jesus went to Jerusalem. He went on a journey. And how many miles was it? It was quite a way, wasn't it, he walked? Well over 100 miles. He went on a journey. And on that journey... Um, it started, well, Bob's message started when Peter had that revelation of who he was. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet on the way, he was discouraged. On the way, they, people said, oh, you can't, oh, you're not going to get, you know, not you. You're not going to face a cross and all this sort of stuff. He went on a journey that took him to Jerusalem. And that journey finished when he was arrested, put on the cross, and Easter happened. But I want to say to you that his journey started way before that. Do you know, from eternity, God's all knowledge knew that his son was going to have to die on the cross for us. I don't get that. I don't know why it's, well, how that works. But I do know this, that before creation, Christ was committed to saving us. The journey of Jesus started on earth when he was born. Do you know, as a baby in a manger, 
He didn't know a thing. He was just a baby. I think I've told you in the past, when I was younger, I used to think that Jesus was laying in the manger there thinking, I better cry now. But I know I'm the son of God. I mean, I, I, I was wrong. He was a baby. He didn't know what was going on. He was just a baby. He happened to be a baby who was the son of God, not the son of a man. And, but he came for a purpose. When he was a boy, was he, he was about 12, wasn't he? Um, his parents lost him. Can you imagine that? Can, how careless is that? We did that once with Andrew, didn't we? <laughs> then we found him. Oh. Do you remember, do you, who knows Surrey Street in Croydon? Yeah, yeah, we were there. Judith thought I had him. I thought Judith had him. Neither of us had him. And thankfully, a nice trader had picked him up and placed him amongst the bananas. (laughs) And I I thought, how apt. But I'm in good company because Mary and Joseph and the family lost Jesus. But they'd left him. They got on a few, yeah, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the argument they had? Well, I told you, I told you, you're supposed to keep an eye Yeah, but you, 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 I thought you had him. No, I don't, where is he? So they went back, and where was he? He was in the temple speaking with the religious leaders. He was a, a young boy, a little boy, who amazed them with his wisdom and with what, he, he had something about him, but he was going there to learn. He, was, he stayed there to find out what this was all about. And the Holy Spirit would have been speaking into that young life and filling him with revelation. But he wasn't ready. Another 20-something years or so, nearly 20 years, before he did anything more. But it says this. In Luke 2, 49, Jesus said to his parents, why were you searching for me? Actually, I know why they were searching for him. <laughs> Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Get this, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And get this, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. In wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. At the start of his ministry, when he was about 30, before he did anything, he was baptized. Through the years of his life, as he grew in wisdom and stature, preparing him for the work that he was going to have to do. And another thing that a lot of Christians don't get is he only did it for three years. Three years. Three years. But he'd been preparing and growing in his walk with his father over those years. And what happened? He was baptized. And as I tell the people who get baptized, Jesus was baptized because he was acting out what he knew his destiny was going to be. He went down into the water. He was buried. He came up out of the water. 
He rose. He got out of the water and walked in a new realm and in a new life. And then, after that, the Holy Spirit came upon him and then he started to do all the things that he... You see, he came here with a purpose. And that was his purpose, to save us, to, to bring life, to reach this world. He came from God in heaven with a purpose, to find us, to save us, to save us from ourselves and the effects of our behaviour. There's a lot of passionate people at the moment gluing themselves to things. Have you noticed? People up in London, they, you know, the, the, was it the rebellion, what's it called? It's to do with climate change. Extinction, I knew there was an E in it. Extinction Rebellion. They're very passionate. And I, and I guess what they're, what they're uh, trying to bring about, we, we, we probably agree with. We don't want our planet to die and all that stuff. But do you know something? Even if God suddenly intervened and cleaned the whole planet up and took away all suffering... The human nature of this world would make it just as bad again. You see, the salvation that God sent Jesus to bring doesn't just change the doesn't change the outside. He changes what's within. He changes in inside. He changes us from the inside. He comes to save us from ourselves. And the effects of our behaviour. Do you know the, the person? I have trouble with people sometimes. Do you? Don't look at me like that. But the person I have the most trouble with keeps looking at me in the mirror. And you're thinking that's your problem, mate. But actually, it's your that's your problem. <laughs> But isn't it true, the most problem we have is with ourselves? Oh, there's a, a song, uh, that's, it's the one that Samantha has sung, What's Going On Inside Me. I despise my own behavior. Yeah, it only serves to confirm my suspicion that I'm a man in need, I'm a man in need of a saviour and do you know something every single one of us can think to ourselves what is going on inside me why did I think that why did I say that why did I do that do you know I'm a man in need of a saviour we're all people in need of a saviour and do you know he saves us and we're forgiven but we still need saving day by day day by day as we grow in stature and we grow in the knowledge of the Father through Jesus. You see, we come here because Jesus fulfilled his purpose. He revealed the Father. He said, yeah, people don't know what God's like. Well, if you look at Jesus, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's who God is really like. He brings life and he defeated death and we are people of purpose in the kingdom. Let's, oh, let's be committed to being people of God's purpose. Yeah? 
Why? Why? Because what we're doing, what we're part of, is something so powerful, so precious, so great. Let's never be satisfied with being just passengers. But let's be those who participate. And, you know, we talk about giving. Let's not just be givers to the kingdom. Let's be investors in the kingdom. If I give something, I forget about it. If I invest something, I'm interested in it. If I'm, in, if I'm an investor, I'm investing in it. And as I give of myself, of my finance, of my time, of my talents, I'm investing into it and I'm vitally involved with it. Because through the church and in my life, I have the same purpose that Jesus had to bring the kingdom of God into this world. God invested his son into this world. Like I say, if, if there's, a, if there's a, someone rattling in a box uh, and you give to a good cause, you put the money in there and you don't, you think, that's it. You've done some good. But actually, unless you join that society, you let them go on with it. Whereas we are called, actually, to give ourselves, to give our lives. That's why, that's why we have the opportunity to be generous in all of our giving so that we can invest and ensure that what goes on in this place, we're part of it. Does that make sense? You see, Jesus was totally invested into our world. That's the purpose with which he came to this world. And Easter is about his purpose. Secondly, Easter story underlines the proof of who Jesus was. <coughs> when Jesus rose from the dead, it vindicated everything he said that people told him he was talking rubbish about. He didn't lie. Everything Jesus said right through his life was proved right. Do you know, he was so misunderstood... I was a bit naughty once. This fellow came back to me. He says, oh, people keep misunderstanding me. I said, what do you mean? That was cruel, wasn't it? <laughs> right through his life. Mark got it anyway. Right through his life, he was misunderstood and slandered. When, when he was a little boy in the temple, and he said, I had to be about my father, in my father's house, they thought, what's he on about? It says in, in Luke 2 there, it says they, they, they did not understand what he was saying to them. What are you on about? You should have been with me. I'm your mum. I had to be in my father's house, but I didn't know what he meant. <coughs> we know what he meant because we've read the rest of the book. Um, he was standing outside the temple and he said, Destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. They thought, what? I mean, Mr. Macron reckons they're going to do Notre Dame in five years and they say that's going to be pretty uh, tough, but you're going to destroy the temple and, and technically build it in three days? They didn't understand what he was on about. He wasn't talking about that building behind him. He was talking about his body. He was talking about this temple of the Holy Spirit that the Father God lives in. In three days, I'll rebuild it and we'll be rebuilt again. 
And what happened? They destroyed the temple, the body of Jesus, and on the third day, boom! Boom! It says that in the Bible. Boom! On the third day. And you know, when he was on the cross, he was on the cross, his life being destroyed, being tortured, the people who heard him say that he was going to rebuild the temple in three days, berated him. Oh, this is the fellow that said he was going to rebuild the temple in three days, is he? They actually said that because they didn't understand. They didn't believe him. When Paul, in the book of Acts, went to Athens, he kind of had a a chat with these real academic people. They were all kind of, you know, they were all very uh, learned and cerebral and thoughtful and clever. And he spoke to them about the God, the unknown God that they didn't know or couldn't see. And they were quite interested in what he had to say. But do you know what caused them to part with him and say, I don't believe all that, is when he said about the resurrection. People don't believe and they don't understand. But do you know, the proof of who Jesus said he was is seen at the resurrection. Because having died, he came back to life because as we've been singing this morning, death could not hold him. Mm. In Acts chapter 1 verse 3, after suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he did it over a period of 40 days. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. If it said that Jesus appeared to his disciples as he floated through the room and out the other side, then we might have some doubts. Oh, well, that was, they, what had they been eating? What had they been drinking? They had too much cheese that night. I don't know. But for 40 days, I'm going to read it in a minute. At one point, he appeared at one time to 500 people. 500. People that knew him. People that followed him. He appeared to his followers, those that knew him the best. But do you know what? This was different. They had been following Jesus before he died. They had been following Jesus and they'd seen all the miracles, they'd seen all the potential, they'd seen all his promises, they'd seen all the healings they'd been seeing. And do you know, they, they, they got the wrong end of the stick as well about him, actually. I thought, are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to kick the Romans out of our country? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Even Peter had a sword. He chopped a bloke's ears off, ear off. He, he, he went into the violence thing, whereas Jesus didn't go that way. He had a different kingdom that he was bringing in. They had followed Jesus before he died. And they were committed to him because they were his disciples and they thought he was great. But now was different because they'd had to, they had to learn about relating to a Jesus that had risen from the dead. If they thought he was good before, how brilliant was he now? 
And you know something? The living Jesus is the most wonderful person. Not just because he came, not just because he died, but because he rose from the dead. You know, he was more wonderful than they realized. On Palm Sunday, Jesus came into Jerusalem and he knew why he was going to come there to be crucified. He knew. He knew what he was doing. That was his purpose, going back to that. And they put palm leaves down and they, put, they, they did all this stuff and they said, Hosanna to the son of David. And Jesus was riding in and all the disciples thought, oh, this is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm with him, by the way. <laughs> I'm with him. Yeah. yeah, Hosanna to Jesus. Yes, I'm one of his disciples, you know. And it was great. He thought, right, Jesus is coming to really give it to him now. He has, he's coming to Jerusalem and that's it. And Palm Sunday suddenly got eaten up in Good Friday. Ever been in a time where everything's going really great? And it goes wrong. It goes horribly wrong. In fact, it really stinks. Sometimes. One minute you're in the highest heights and suddenly the chairs kick from under you and you're down on the ground and you think, oh my word. And suddenly Peter finds himself denying Jesus. You're one of his lot, aren't you? No, never heard of him, mate. Never heard, not me. Not me, mate. No. I'll talk to the hand, the face ain't listening. It's not me. And several people said to him, yeah, but you were with him. No, not me. There's a really good-looking bloke who looks just like me, but it wasn't me. He said all that stuff, I'm sure. But all of a sudden, in the midst of what they perceived as defeat and disaster, Jesus had gone. What have we got to live for anymore? It's over. It's over. But then on the third day, he rose again. And suddenly, they had to get their heads and their hearts and their lives around a different perspective that related, <gasps> he's alive? And of course, the moment it happened, they all got it. Oh, knew that was going to happen. No, he did not. In fact, the revelation of the risen Jesus was a, a process. It's a process, right? The, the ladies that went to, they went there to look for the living amongst the dead. They were looking for a dead body and suddenly they found an empty tomb. Jesus had risen. They got a revelation. They ran and told the others. They said, silly women, you're talking nonsense. But you go through the process and, 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 and there were the women at the tomb. There were the two fellas on the road and Jesus started walking with them and talking to them. And he didn't know who he was. And they were talking to him and said, don't you, don't you know what happened in Jerusalem to Jesus? They said that to Jesus. And it was only later on, later on after they walked and talked when they had something to eat, they realised who he was. The revela And then there was the 11 disciples. First without Thomas and then with Thomas. And, and it all happened over a process. Can I say this, something? That in our lives, we're all in a process of finding out who Jesus really is. 
And, and, and sometimes people say to me, oh, I don't know uh, as much about Jesus as you do. Fine. Doesn't matter. There was one guy once, he came here to a welcome to our church meeting with his wife. I've told you this before, but it's a good story. And, and he said that, um, do you know, I love everything you're doing here. Because he liked the community work, he liked what we're doing, he liked the feeling, he liked it. He says, I've got one problem. I said, what's that? He says, I don't believe in God. Oh, that's quite important, really. Now, I said to him, what he was expecting me to say was, well, you have no place in here. Depart into outer darkness. Be gone, thou sinner. That's what he expected. And he expected that because of the grotty experiences he's had before. My attitude is this. I really thank you for being so honest. I don't want to convince you and make you believe what I believe. I want to show you Jesus so that he can reach you and he can reveal himself to you so that you can believe in him. That's what it's about. And if we... And if we cut people off at the knees, the moment they dare to say something different to us, we never give them a chance to find Jesus for themselves. It's a revelation. And it grows. It happens. And I believe I know a bit more about Jesus than I did before. It's a relationship. It's exactly right. I say things to my wife. And, I, and, I, and, and she, she knows it already. Because we've been around with each other for a few years. And she knows more about me now than she did when we first met. Serves you right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm nearly there, folks. This is what Paul wrote. I'll I'll read it to you. It stands from reading this. In 1 Corinthians 15... Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. That's the good news, all right? Gospel. Which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. That was Paul. A convincing amount of proofs were given to his followers after the resurrection. And bit by bit, they got it. And they got it so much that the emphasis of when they went out to preach about Jesus was the resurrection. And because they were convinced and knew that Jesus was alive and he defeated death, that's why they weren't... I won't say overly bothered, I'm sure they were bothered, but they were willing to give their lives and invest in the message and the kingdom of God. See, the proof. We're all at various stages in our journeys, but that's okay. Let's get to know him. Let's get to know him, relationship with him. Resurrection was a central part of the early churches. In Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was 
so powerfully at work in them all. Finally, this is number three, we've had the purpose, we've had the proof. The resurrection shows the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus was the fact that he was the Son of God and that the Holy Spirit was upon him and he rose from the grave. It's proof, as I've just said, of who he was. But it's not just a story. It's not just a bit of history. But it's the proven completion or the proven completed work of Jesus that shows his power And it shows his power so that we could all be impressed. No. It shows his power because he came to invest that power upon us. Upon us. Upon you. Look at the person next to you and say, upon you. See? And more to the point, upon upon me. Say, upon me. Talk to yourself for a moment. Everyone who comes to Jesus enters a new chapter of their lives. He changed water into wine, and the new wine he saved till... Oh, you're great, you lot. Most other churches will say, last, but you've got it. He saved the best till now. And God has got his best for us now, you know, you know, there are certain challenges in uh, leading the church. There are certain challenges in seeing how much resource we don't have. There are certain challenges in, in the way things happen and sometimes how people let each other down and all the disasters that can happen. There are certain challenges. But you know something? I am convinced that God has got the best for his people and for the kingdom from now. It gets me out of bed in the morning. I get Judith out of bed in the morning, but that gets me out of bed in the morning. No, it's it's for us both. You see, everyone who comes, it's new wine for now. And the power of Jesus brings salvation. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Do you know, when you believe in Jesus and put your faith in the work that he's done, something powerful happens. You don't just agree with something. Suddenly, that belief, that faith changes you from the inside. You're born again. That's the power of God. That's the power of salvation. And that's why we should never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of salvation for those who believe. It's the pay works. Look at you lot. He touched your lives, didn't he? It works. It's powerful. He brings life. That's why we don't look for the living among the dead. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. He comes to bring provision. In Matthew 6, he doesn't make a suggestion when he says, don't worry about what you shall eat or what you should eat. He tells us to do that because that's what we should do. I heard somebody say the other week that if you worry, that is, uh, what was the term? 
It's um, practical atheism. <laughs> Jesus has either, either got us or he hasn't. God has got our backs or he hasn't. Am I right? He, he's either the provider and the one who's going to do miraculous and wonderful things in and through our church, in and through our lives and in the kingdom of God, or he's not. And so we need to have that faith that trusts in his power. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave <coughs> lives in me. Do you know, I believe that we need to be open and to see the miraculous at work. Miraculous life, miraculous provision, miraculous healings, miraculous wonderful things. You see, Jesus rose, went to the Father, and he sent his power to us. Jesus went to the Father and he said, as I read in Acts right at the beginning, right at the very beginning, John baptized with water, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And for each of us, that is the legacy of Easter. The Spirit of God makes us what we are and enables us to do what we should do. You hear about the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, and all those things. That's a character thing. And that's the life he puts in us. Then there's the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And they're gifts of power that enable us to do what we shouldn't really be able to do. But the power of God works in and through us. You know, our vision and purpose... that God has for us demands a response. The faith that we have, you know, there's a certain amount of evidence that we can base that on. Jesus rose from the dead. There's evidence when Jesus does, thing, does things in our lives that gives us faith for the next step. But it's also based on his character, who he is and what he's done for us. Knowing him and growing in that revelation of him and it's shown by doing. The power by faith to walk with him and for him as his people. At the end of his life, Paul knew that death was coming. It was real, it was inevitable. And he said to his young disciple Timothy, he says, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. No, they're all in past tense. I have fought the fight. I have finished. I have kept. They're all in past tense. I want to say to you, let's keep fighting, let's keep racing, and let's keep growing in the faith. Now. Right? The secret of a long life is keep breathing. And all the while you've got breath, keep believing. Keep growing. Keep racing. Keep right there with God. But in Paul's case, he says, now there is in store for me mourning and death and a grave. No, a crown, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And because of the proven, powerful, completed purpose of Jesus, 
because we have faith in him. Not only does he give us a life worth living now, but when we die, he gives us the next chapter after the last. That's good, isn't it? Don't be in a hurry to die, folks. We need you. But when the inevitable happens, next chapter, we go to be with him. I'd like the musicians to come out, please. We're going to sing, please, the, um, the same power, the one I mentioned to you, yeah. That raised Jesus from the grave. My phone, anyway.